Let's pray and then we'll jump into the message. Father, thank you for today and thank you for the opportunities that you give us here in our community and around the world. Father, we just declare that you are perfect and you are holy in all of your ways. I pray that you would touch us this morning by your word, that you would transform us. I pray that you would reclaim us if we need to be reclaimed, if we're unsettled or unplanted, that you would plant us and settle us today. And just want to dedicate our time to you. We pray that we would be built up and encouraged. Uh, We pray, Father, that you would do what only you could do. Thank you that you chose us, that you've forgiven us, that you've rescued us and you've washed us, and that you make us alive in you. So come now, Holy Spirit, fall afresh upon us and open the eyes of our understanding and speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. So uh, again, if you're new, we love that you're here. We love that you're here. Encourage you to come back next week and jump in. And by the way, if you want to volunteer, we'll put, uh, we got a dinner waiting for you. But if you don't volunteer, no dinner for you. (laughs) All right, Joshua chapter six, as we're continuing through the great book of Joshua. And this morning, we're in one of the all-time classic and famous chapters of the Bible where God is going to give the children of Israel, his people, victory over their first enemy, and that is in Jericho there. If you're just joining us, God's people have passed through the Red Sea. Last week, we looked at how they passed through the Jordan River. Now they're entering into the promised land. Finally, they've gotten to the promised land. What we're going to see here is they're going to face battle after battle after battle, which is really a parallel of the Christian life here. And so they're in Jericho, and their first city that they're going to face is this formidable, impregnable fortress there that was impossible to conquer. And so now they have uh, no military machineness about them. They're a bunch of ragtag uh, community there. And this is a long shot moment. Jericho has never been defeated there. So the title of the message is this, is God's plan for facing the impossible. God's plan for facing the impossible because that's what they were doing. They were facing the impossible. This impressive, formidable fortress here. So here's what it looked like. Here's a picture actually right here. That's what it would have looked like. There was an outer wall. There was an inner wall separated by about 15 feet, 20, 30 feet, foot high walls with like 6 to 12 feet thick. Thick. It was an enormous fortress there. Here's another picture here of what may have looked like there. And so you just get your mind around that. So the children of Israel had to conquer this place here. They were going to enter into God's promised life for them. And so their journey parallels our journey. So what I have this morning is four points for you. They're in your notes there if you want to pull out your notes here. So there's four points because I think the reality is this. All of us face some daunting circumstances in your journey. All of us here, you have some wall, some imposing fortress there, some obstacle before you that is between you and your best life there. Some wall, if you will, of impossibility that all of us face. Now, what might that look like in your life there? I think for some of us, maybe it's just your feelings of wall of personal opposition. Maybe some relationships out there. Maybe it's the ex, you know, that has just made life impossible for you. Maybe it's an impossible child. Maybe it's an impossible parent there. 
Perhaps it's a situation where there's the obstacle of a painful past, which you're, it's like a fortress that you're trying to overcome there. I think for others, it's a walled fortress of unforgiveness. You know it's there, you know it shouldn't be there, but you don't seem to be able to overcome that thing. For others, I think all of us, there's some battle here, whether it's pain, hurt, of the past, but there's some kind of daunting fortress in all of our lives here. And so what we're going to talk about is God's plan for facing and overcoming the impossible in your life, just like the children of Israel face there. And so cities like this here wouldn't normally be able to be conquered in a military sense. It was basically impossible to conquer this city here. They would have to basically siege it cut off the water and food supply, and that was the only way there. And so I'm going to talk about four ways, four keys then to face the impossible in your life. How do you take a next step in your spiritual journey? We're going to talk about that. And so again, uh, the children of Israel, 40 years in the wilderness. Now they've been freed from that. Joshua is their leader, takes over for Moses. They cross the Jordan River, the Red Sea. Now they're facing the promised land. And so, and again, if they don't conquer Jericho, what that meant was that would prevent them from occupying the land, the promised land that God had given them. So we're going to begin reading here Joshua chapter 6 and verse 1. If you would stand to your feet for the public reading, if you are able, stand to your feet here. And if you want to look at the screens as we read together, chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, I'm going to read through verse 5. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. You and all the fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times, with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse, and all the people will will charge straight down into the city. You may be seated. So if I could ask you a question, you heard the story there, they're going to want to overtake this, in, this formidable fortress, and they're talking about horns, talking about marching, and talking about shouting. Now does that sound like a way to win a military engagement, or does it sound more like a football game to you? You know what I'm talking about? Sounds more like a football game. I mean, they're thinking to themselves, this is right here is what they're thinking about. See, Joshua there was a warrior. Joshua was a war machine. You read there in Exodus, uh, the children of Israel in that famous passage there, where there's Moses on the mountaintop with Aaron and Hur there, and the children of Israel are fighting down in the valley, the valley of Rephidim. And there is Joshua there fighting the Amalekites, like the bad guys. So he's a war machine. He understands battle. And he figures like, this is how we attack Jericho. 
This right here with the sword, with the spirit, with the javelin there, with maybe secret weaponry here and strategy, you know, that's how we do it. But he's hearing about take the city like with this, like what are you talking about? It really, it just seemed absolutely ridiculous there to attack this formidable city that way. So we look here in chapter six, verse one, it says this. The, the verses are, all the verses are on the screen so you can use your iPhone or your iPad or your whatever. They're so, or you can go old school and use a paper Bible. So now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. So Jericho knew this. Jericho knew, Jericho knew that they were going to be attacked. So they had food provisions. They were ready. They had the, the soldiers, you know, on the walls there. They were ready for the attack. Uh, and so, and they're surrounded by these gigantic, massive walls there that were really impregnable. And so the city was safe. The city was secure, but they had heard about the children of Israel. And so they shut the gates. They locked the gates there. And so they were prepared to defend the city against the children of Israel there. And again, Jericho was undefeated. Jericho had crushed everyone that had ever tried to take them on. So humanly speaking, Jericho was impossible. Logically speaking, Jericho was impossible here. Strategically impossible here. So what is God going to do and what does God tell them to do? In verse 2 says this, But the Lord said to Joshua, I've given you Jericho, its king and all its strong soldiers. And so God is saying to, to, to uh, Joshua and the people, I'm going to do the impossible through you. And so he's stating that there's going to be a victory before they ever fought the battle. Notice the tense. I have given you Jericho, not I am going to give you Jericho, but as I speak, I've given you, in the present tense, Jericho. So I want us to see this because I think a very important point is this. If you're a Christ follower then, that Joshua hears God's voice. If he's going to face the impossible, he needs to hear God's voice. I think the most important thing when you face the impossible, is you've got to hear God's voice. Now, we hear all the other voices out there, the voices on the internet, the voices on social media, your Facebook friends' voices, your, your BBF, your best friend forever. We hear all those voices about what to do, and we naturally seek advice on what to do when we're facing the impossible. But I want us to see here that this life parallels our life. And what Joshua did here is he heard God's voice. And he had this settled sense of faith about him here. And so when you're facing an impossible situation, impossible circumstances, where do you start? Do we start with Google or do we start with God? I mean, where do we start here? And what this is saying is you need a word from God. When you're facing the impossible, the most important thing is that you would hear from God. And so God's planning your notes there is you would hear God's voice. And so we've talked about how do you hear God's voice? You hear God's voice through God's word. 
You can hear the still small voice the scriptures speak of. That is the Holy Spirit prompting you, nudging you, encouraging you, inspiring you there. So maybe it's a Christ follower that that comes with a, a word that you recognize that I think God may be speaking to me through that person there. And so God's plan is that you hear God's voice when you face the impossible there. And so this is what Jericho needed to, Joshua needed then to face the impossible. So now remember again, he's a warrior. He is a man of war. And so he's got, this is what he's got in his mind. He's got this in his mind when you're talking war. This is all he knows his whole life is this. And now God says, no, Joshua, this is not it. This is it. Joshua puts down his sword, and Joshua flows with the word of the Lord. No pushback. He's not leaning to his own experience, not leaning to what he knows. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding because that's what we naturally do, right? We're always leaning into what we understand and acting on what we understand. Don't lean into your own understanding, but in all your ways, all of your life, as a lifestyle, acknowledge him that is God, and then he directs your path. And so that's what happened here. Joshua then is acknowledging God, not leaning to his own understanding, but in all his ways acknowledging God and going with what God told him to go with there. And so Joshua heard God's voice, and he followed God's voice there. Now imagine if he followed the voices of the day, or if we were him and we heard the voices of the day. What do you think the voices of the day approaching this walled city of Jericho might have been? How many people are going to tell you, yeah, here's how you win. Here's how, just get some horns and uh, start, start walking around the city there. And then have everybody scream their guts out on like day seven. After you walk around seven times, who's going to go for that? They're, you know what they're going to tell you? They're going to tell you, hey, here's what you do. Uh, you go down to Home Depot and get those big 30-foot ladders. You know what we're talking about? You can do, get the battering rams there, put a siege on the city, squeeze the life out of them, don't allow any water or food there. So uh, dig a tunnel underneath. You're going to get all kinds of conventional wisdom, which the, the, the suggestions here are completely devoid of military or conventional wisdom. I mean, it's just off the table. All military strategy and think off the table. And so he's, in verse 2, then again, he says, I've given you Jericho. So it's a done deal is what he's saying here. God is saying to them, Jericho is already yours now. I've handed Jericho over to you. And so I've signed off on the deal. You can trust me. Take me at my word. And so I've approved this. It's just a matter of time. The walls are coming down here. So in your notes there again, God's plan is that you hear God's voice. God is telling Josh, hey, you just got to trust me. You got you, you to trust me that my plan's going to work. It may not seem like it's going to work. It might seem strange, but my plan here is going to work there. And so 
So what they do then is they got six days of silence. As the people, he tells, walk around one day, day two again. Everybody shut their mouths. Just walk around. It's about an, maybe the Bible scholars say maybe about an hour to walk around. It's not like walking around L.A. or Orange County. It's like they're smaller cities then. So about an hour's a trip there. And so, and then he says, on day seven, after seven times around, you just let it rip and you scream your guts out. Sounds like a pretty cool battle plan, huh? I mean, how many people would sign up for that? How many people would sign up for that? Like, in all honesty, I, I, I wouldn't. I'd be like, are you, are, you, are you kidding me? Like, that's ridiculous. That kind of a plan there, getting your mind around that. But this was a plan, the 100%, you got to trust God. You got to be all in plan here. So now it's going to be detailed a little bit in verse 3. If you want to look at the screen, it says, you and your fighting men should march around the city once a day for six days. And then the priests are going to walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. And on the seventh day, you're to march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the horns. And when you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people will charge straight into the city. Notice he gives these clear-cut instructions. This detailed, implicit, exacting instructions. No military tactics, only these instructions here. And so imagine there's Joshua talking to the people. Imagine you're in your mind, people are talking to the people, and so and they're trying to get their mind around this. And Joshua says to them, okay, here's what we're gonna do. You ready? You ready? Okay, I want the priest, I want the priest to carry the ark. You guys got these horns. That's what I want you to do. And then he says, okay, now all you people, here's what we're gonna do. And they're, they're looking at Jericho and looking at the walled city and think, man, this is going to be good. Now Joshua, this guy, he's a pro. He knows what he's doing. He's a war machine. This is going to be good. And then they, they say, okay, here's what we're going to do. Uh, and everybody, just shut up. Just shut up. Shut your mouths uh, for an hour. Uh, we're going we're gonna to walk around Jericho. And the people are thinking, yeah, that's great. We're going we're gonna to see their weak points. We're going to see how we're going to attack. We're going to see how we're going to destroy these guys. This is good. He, he's got, he says, and then day two, what we're going to do is, and they're thinking, yeah, this, this, is, this is where we're going to get it on. Right? Day two, we're going to walk around the city again. And they're thinking, all right, okay, all right, we're going to walk around. What, what, do you think, what do you think Joshua's up to? I mean, this is kind of different. So, uh, is, and then day three, we're going to walk around again. And we're going to do, we're going to attack, right, Joshua? No, we're not going to do, we're going to do nothing. And he says, in day four, we're going to do it again. And we're going to do nothing. Day five again, day six, nothing. And what, like, what are the, what are the people thinking there? Like, I thought we were going to take the city. Oh, we were, we were going to attack there. We're going to look at their weaknesses, right, Joshua, here? And so, and he's saying, no, we're just going to walk around Lap after lap after lap after lap after lap after lap. That's what we're going to do. And then like day seven, right? Then we're going to attack. No, then we're going to go seven times. What, what, are they, what are people thinking here? That uh, uh, They're thinking, this is wild here. This is unusual. This is an unorthodox battle plan. I mean, marching, shouting, blowing horns. Like Joshua, all we're doing, we're just making noise. Like Look at that. 
fortress. How are we going to ever win when we just make noise? It makes no sense whatsoever. So God, I want us to see this, is asking them to do something that in the eyes of the people seems absolutely absurd. Absolutely ridiculous here. What a, what a strange plan. Like there are zero implements of warfare, no weapons of warfare whatsoever. Just this horns and marching and no building ramps, no arrows, no battering ram. And so how are we ever going to win this battle? Again, humanly speaking, absolutely ridiculous plan here. So I just wonder, I just wonder. Could it be, could it be that God in them introducing them into the, to the promised land was teaching them to walk by faith and not by sight and to learn to follow God's directives at the beginning of their promised life? I think it could have been that, that here God's plan for military success there, if I was to, to, to draw it out here, if you want to look on the screens, was marching plus horns plus shouting was the plan. Equals what? Equals victory when God says to do that. All military options are off the table. All conventional thinking off the table here. Seems cray-cray, right? Crazy to do this. And so no soldiers, no swords, no spears, no sieges, no strategies, no secret weapons from a strategic viewpoint just seems ridiculous here. And God is saying, look, you have to learn to walk by faith if you want to inherit my promises. My best life for you is on the other side of your walking by faith. So our first battle, you're going to learn to walk by faith here. Even though from a human standpoint, it makes no sense. Even though from a military standpoint, it makes no sense. And from a logical standpoint, make no sense whatsoever. Can we agree that it makes zero sense to follow this plan? Can we agree on that? And the other 80% don't agree, okay? So anyway, so he was teaching them to walk by faith. So God's planning your notes there. God's planning your notes. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. You got to hear God's voice, but sometimes when you hear God's voice, It does not make sense, and you can't get your mind around that. And so, sometimes God's plan seems a little crazy to follow. So, I want to give you an illustration of what this looked like in my own life. There could be many, but I'm just going to give you this one that that I want to share with you. And so, years ago, before I was a lead pastor like I am now, I had this idea, and this uh, really I felt it was from God, and a, a passion and a burning desire that was really consuming to me. It was consuming to me, something I would think about pretty much every day. And it was to go to Africa, to Uganda, and finally I got there. And when I was there, I began to realize, this is why I'm here, and and I've got to return. And so I want to return. I want to do a conference for lead pastors all over Uganda and Kenya, Tanzania, Ethiopia, and beyond. So I had this dream in my heart, but it really was impossible in the sense that I wasn't even a lead pastor, and I wanted to do a conference for lead pastors. I mean, who's going to like go to that? And so the other part of the dream was this. So since I was there, in Uganda, they had one dentist in the entire nation of millions and millions of people. I think at that time, it was about 17 million. 
And so I'd travel the country, and I knew that the, the, the people and the pastors were suffering greatly with rotted teeth. And so I thought, I want to go do a conference in Uganda, invite pastors from everywhere, pay for the conference. And what I want to do is in the middle of the day, we're going to do a surgical clinic, and we're going to take care of them as well as we would take care of other people. But we're going to take care of them because they are in great pain. And so, but I had two obstacles. It seemed impossible Number one, I wasn't a pastor. Number two, AIDS epidemic. That was the epicenter of AIDS right there by Lake Victoria. And so it was out of control where I couldn't even get people to go. It was so much fear at that point that I couldn't get people to go. So when I was thinking to myself, I'm going to be working on hundreds or thousands of people that have AIDS. Like I really, like I don't want to get AIDS. So I wasn't being a cowboy about it, but I just said, that I don't want to get AIDS. So that, how am I going to do this? Because when you, you work on that many people, it's very, it's all take like one slip with a needle, get cut. And so and what, there wasn't that much known about it at the time. So I'm thinking like, I'm putting my, my, my life at risk here. And so this is what I did. I thought, I begin to practice. I got, I got gloves here. I got gloves. And so what I did is I begin to practice. I thought, what is it going to take so that, so that I don't get AIDS? I really did. I'm not making this up. This is what I did. So I put on one and I take a needle See, how, how hard do I have to push? And I just stabbed myself and stabbed myself so I knew exactly how hard. And I thought, you know what? I'm, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try two gloves. That's what I'm going to do. And see, how does it work with two gloves here? And so then I would do two gloves. This is before I ever went here. And so and then I'd do the same thing. I'd take this off, and I'd, I'd stab myself like that. And then uh, and I'd see what it would take. And I thought, no, that's not, that's not good enough. I'm going to try. I'm going to try three gloves three gloves, and then what I did is, because again, this is impossible, I don't want to get AIDS, stabbing myself, stab myself, what does it take, and then I, I, I realized like, three is minimal, three is minimal, and you still have enough dexterity that you can, you can work there, but I thought, eh, I really don't want to take a chance, so I think I'll go four, and I'll think I'll go five, and then what I did is, is I took it, and I'm stabbing myself, and I'm not, it's not going through. And I, re- Oop, I just poked through that time. Uh, it was a little too hard. <laughs> so my last one, I just jabbed a little too hard there. Anyway, but this is what I realized. Like five pairs of gloves, I'm not, I'm not going to probably get, it's going to take something that I really got to mess up pretty good there. I, I shouldn't get AIDS. So that's what I did. And so uh, so that's how I overcame that and how I overcame the impossibility of not being a lead pastor. I just asked the pastor, I said, hey, uh, Stephen Ocania, I said, what do you think if I did this? This would be great. So you want to see some pictures? Like, you wanna see? Yeah, here it is. Check it out. And so there it is with the kids right there. Uh, one of the first times I went there just hanging out with all the kids after uh, church one day. And, uh, and here, here's another picture here. And so, uh, so here it is. Now notice we, walk by, we work by flashlights and uh, day, night, that's all we had. They call them torches, but that's what we would do. And so uh, uh, many of these people had AIDS. So here's the conference. Uh, and this one was... Uh, I'm caging the lion or holy. I don't remember what that, which one that one was. But look at how they're into it. I mean, they, they're into it. We have about 100 of these pastors. They come from all over Uganda and Kenya, Tanzania, Ethiopia. And so uh, they would come and they would descend here. We'd put them up in a university. Now, next slide. And so, uh, so here we are. They're worshiping. They're dancing. Don't be stiff. Be, have fun there. Next, next uh, picture there. So here they are. 
uh, just praising God. They're very free and happy and so and expressive. Next slide there. And so and there it is. That's just part of them there. So we did that one. This was in Jinja, Uganda right there. There's me and one of my buddies in the front there. So we're in Jinja, Uganda. And so another dream that I had that, that just kind of came out of this is that I really wanted my sons to carry on what God put in my heart. And so in a couple months, my son Garrett is going to be right there in Jinja, Uganda for the month of May. And so um, anyway, uh, and so, but that was an impossibility, like getting these gloves off is an impossibility here. And so, um, so God's plan, sometimes it doesn't make sense for you. It doesn't make sense. And so, but if God is putting that in your heart, you have to just go with that like the children of Israel here did, even though it didn't make sense and it seemed crazy to follow. Just like when you need to forgive somebody who has wronged you and hurt you, and everything within you is screaming to get revenge, yet God is saying to forgive, and it doesn't make sense because of what they've done to you. You see, God will call you to do things that just doesn't make sense here. Where you want to seek revenge when he says bring justice. Where the culture and everybody is loose there and God says, no intimacy, I reserve that for marriage. When the culture is saying, that's crazy. Or where God says it's better to give than to receive there. And you'll be better off if you give than you don't give. You'll be better off than if you keep 100%. So begin to give to God and be generous. And, and it's hard to sometimes get around that and it seems a little bit crazy. And so, again, God's plan is to hear his voice when you face the impossible and then do it, lean into that, even if it seems a little bit crazy. Verse 6. So Joshua called together the priests and said, Take up the ark of the Lord's covenant. That represented God's presence and power. And assigned seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn. And then he gave orders to the people. March around the city, and the armed men will lead the way in front of the ark of the Lord. And so, and then verse 8. And after Joshua spoke to the people, the seven priests with the ram's horns started marching in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they marched, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed behind them. So I want us to see this about Joshua. Again, a military guy to the core, but what he does is he doesn't align himself just with his experience of the past. He aligns himself with what God said. That is a key there to the Christian life. And so he's not trusting in his own experience, but he's trusting in the word of God that he got from him. And so and then verse 14. And on the second day, again, marched around the city once and returned to the camp. And they followed this pattern for six days here. Now, very strong specificity to the people here of what they were to do. I wonder if there just weren't some people that were getting a little sick and tired of this and maybe a little trash talking of Joshua there. I wonder a little stuff going on behind the back there like, what's the deal with the code of silence? What's the deal with taking a scenic tour of Jericho day after day? Like they had to take six, or 13 scenic tours of Jericho. And so what about on day two? Hey, we just did this yesterday. I can't believe we're doing this again. I'm too tired on day three to do this again. 
I wonder about on day four there is that people are thinking like, how long do we have to wait? I mean, till Christmas here before we can finally attack the city? When are we going get, to get it on here? And so, and then day five, day six, people are probably getting uh, just upset and angry with Joshua there, this whack job of a leader there. They just keep going around Jericho time after time after time there. And so then look at verse 15 and 16 on the screens. And on the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the city as they had done before. But this time they went around the city seven times. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast of their horns, Joshua commanded the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Now I'd like us to think about that for a moment because he says, shout, for the Lord has given us the city, but they actually had not got the city at that point. And yet he says, shout. So this is a shout that was rooted in their faith that God was going to give them the city because the city had not yet fallen. He said, first of all, you must act, and then God is going to bring down the city here. And so God was calling them, think about this, it's a picture of the Christian life, to walk by faith day after day after day after day after day, and watch, and it was boring. It was boring. There's nothing exciting about it. Sometimes a walk of faith, day after day after day, nothing is happening. Sometimes that's what a walk of faith is like. It, you may not see it, but God was teaching them to just walk by faith day after day. But, and, so, and they couldn't stay in the camp there, even though they had the word of the Lord, I have given you Jericho. It's a done deal. Okay, let's just stay back in the camp. Uh, We're going to believe God. We're going to pray. Nope. No, no, no. You're going to walk there and walk the land. Walk Jericho. Time after time again. Even though God said that. Watch. It's a picture of the Christian life. They had it here. Even here. But they had to put put their feet to their, their faith. Involve their feet. Their feet spoke of their faith, as James talks about. Show me your faith by your life there. And so their lifestyle began to demonstrate what they believed in. They couldn't just talk about it there. And so they actually had to do something. They had to march and do something with their faith. And like the children of Israel, we patiently, consistently, humbly walk with God in God's business. Day after day, when you see nothing, when it seems boring, I'm sure people begin to ridicule them and criticize them, say, you're idiots, you know, time after time after time, walking around this city, but that's a walk of faith there. So in your notes there, God's plan is a daily walk of faith. God's plan is a daily walk of faith. And then the priests, lastly, they sounded the long blast of their horns. What is, what is all that about? This long blast of the horns, what is that? The blast of the trumpet was a solemn proclamation of the presence of God. They're walking around time after time after time. There was a statement that the, whole, the Lord is, is the Lord of the whole earth. And he's weaving his presence around this doomed city. And so there's a proclamation of the presence of God in verse 20. When the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could. 
I love that. You know why I love that? Because I wonder how many Americans would do that. I wonder about how many, how many uh, Americans that go to the church in America uh, would do that. Here, here's, after the majority of my life being in church, is that what I experience is that, is that um, we can be so uh, um, inward and introverted and, and, and holding everything in when it comes to the things of God. Even though the Bible says, shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Even though it says in, in, in Revelation that, uh, that they praised him with a loud voice. And all I'm saying is, all I'm saying is this, is that there is a place to be loud. Think about it. Think about American culture uh, and all sporting events, and we just have the Super Bowl. People paint their faces up and all that. By the way, I think that, that Joshua might have looked like this. Can you throw that picture up of what I think Joshua might have looked like before the battle? I think he might have looked something like this. If we can go back to that. Um, you'll see it in just a second here. <laughs> I was Joshua ready to, ready to attack, baby. But we can, we can be so expressive and so exuberant in, in other aspects, uh, many aspects of life. But then it, when it comes to God, like we think, I don't know, if, am, I, am I too sophisticated to shout? Like, I, I, don't, I can't raise my voice to that decibel level. And so I just love that God said, okay, this is how the game works. This is what I want you to do. And uh, who knows why God did that. This is, what I want, this is what I want you to do. Before the walls are coming down, I'm going to ask you to do something. And I know you have a lot of stuff pent up inside. It's been lap after lap after lap. But what I want you to do is when, when that horn blows, that long blow, I want you to scream your guts out. And the walls are coming down. I'll just leave that to some of you. If you were there, and you, you don't know that what God's going to do. You, you didn't have the advantage of the story 3,000 years later, knowing that it's going to happen. And you, you get this command, this, this command from the, the general, I want you to scream your guts out. Would you have screamed your guts out? Or would you be too sophisticated to scream your guts out? And too polished and too perfect. I I can't do that. It's not me. Scream my guts out. Yeah. So what I'm saying is this. Sometimes sometimes you have to let yourself go. Let yourself go. Shout unto God with the voice of, of trying. There's a place for that. That's, all, that's, all, that's the only point I wanted to make. Is that there, there's, a, there's a place for that. And so, yeah. That was extemporaneous, but I said that on purpose. And so, the, the bottom line is God's way worked. And God's way will always work. You see, Faith steps out and faith trusts God. Faith, when asked to, will scream its guts out and not be ashamed to do that. And so God's plan for facing the impossible, yeah. Hear God's voice, even when it seems like it makes no sense. Keep walking with him and finally in your notes, God's plan is that you trust him. God's plan is that you trust him. They didn't bring down the walled city on their own. 
There was nothing about how they could win and bring down the walled city. Uh, It would only happen apart from human ability. This would be God here. It wasn't about trying harder. It was about trusting God. So I want to just ask you as we close, I want to give us the gift of a moment of silence, what that would look like in your own life. So if you could bow your heads. So Father, I pray for us this morning that we recognize that this life is about hearing your voice. This life can be sometimes following you and it doesn't make sense. A life of daily following you, daily trusting you. So I pray that you would speak to us what this would look like if it comes to its fullest expression in our lifetime. Thank you that these things were written for us. Through them, we might have hope. And we pray this in your name. Amen.